I want us to commit this year to praising the Lord. That's what we're going to do, praise the Lord. And that's what we're going to do tonight. And we're going to do that by looking at the Psalms. So open up your Bibles. And we're looking at the last five Psalms. That's a ma- We're going to be here till midnight. We're going to be here till next year. No, we're only looking very briefly at four of them. Uh, last five Psalms. The book of Psalms is just one of the most wonderful treasures for Christians and has been for 2,000 years. Uh, and there, the wonderful thing with the Psalms is there are Psalms sort of covering all sorts of different topics. Uh, some people have described the Psalms as like the mini Bible of the Bible because it covers every topic you could possibly cover. So when you read the Psalms, there are Psalms of encouragement that uh, give you great joy. There's Psalms of lament where the writer is calling out to God and, uh, and begging God to act or feeling sorry for sin, uh, confessing sin to God. There's Psalms that declare God's greatness. There's Psalms that cry out and say, where are you, God? There's all sorts of Psalms. Uh, and that's one of the reasons Christians have loved them probably more than any other book of the Bible for 2,000 years and why Christians have turned to them and read them. But what that sometimes means is people cherry pick the Psalms and so they say someone loves Psalm 51 or someone loves Psalm 23 or that sort of thing but the book of Psalms is actually written as a whole book Uh, and so you're meant to read right through the book of Psalms over a period of time and it's written in the order it is for a reason and when you get to the end of the book of Psalms there are these wonderful five Psalms that go together and I just want to look at the first verse of each of them Okay, so open up to Psalm 146. I'm going to read it out. It says, Hallelujah. Hallelujah is a a word made up of two other Hebrew words. It just means praise the Lord. That's what hallelujah means. Praise the Lord. So when you yell out hallelujah during the singing later on, you're saying praise the Lord. That doesn't happen that often in our church. But anyway, uh, hallelujah. My soul praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing to my God as long as I live. Now look at Psalm 147, verse 1. Hallelujah! How good it is to sing to our God, for praise is pleasant and lovely. Are you getting a theme in these psalms yet? Psalm 148. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. And then Psalm 149. Hallelujah! Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Who can share with us the theme of this? It's not a hard question, is it? What's the theme? What's he calling us to do? Praise God. That's what he's calling us to do. Now, why do you reckon they put these five Psalms with this one very simple theme at the end of the book of Psalms? I think it's pretty obvious. I think the idea is, as you've learnt all these things about God through all of the Psalms, it should drive you to praise him. That's the sort of the final response. So as you've learned about God's faithfulness, we'll now praise the Lord. If you've learned about God's grace, we'll now praise the Lord. If you've learned about God's goodness, we'll now praise the Lord. If you've learned about your sin and yet God's forgiveness of you, well then praise the Lord. And so I thought this was really fitting for sort of the crossover of years because I sort of think what an opportunity for us to reflect back on the last 12 months And whatever we've learnt about the Lord and about ourselves from his word and then take an opportunity to praise the Lord for it. So I'm going to give you warning now. I'm going to do something that will make you a little bit, makes some some people love and some people feel uncomfortable. But some people need a bit of time for their brains to work. Think now, even while I'm talking, 
about something you have learned about God from his word last year. So it might be from our studies in 2 Samuel, it might be from your quiet times, it might be from some other conference you went on, or something like that. But something you've learnt about God that makes you want to praise him, and I'm going to be asking you to share it with people around you later on. Now's the time to think, so I've got to go to the bathroom if you really hate that's not it. Okay, so I'm giving you warning, forewarning. There you go, one member of the church has taken that. Our youngest member has said, I'm getting out of here. I don't want to share. Anyway, all right. So come with me now to Psalm 150, and that's the one we're going to look at together. So it starts off with the same word, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then it says, praise God in his sanctuary. For an Old Testament believer, what did that mean, do you think? What was it inviting them to do? Where was God's sanctuary for an Old Testament believer? It was the temple. It's saying, come to the temple in Jerusalem, join together with the rest of the people of God and praise God. Now, we know that God is not bound in a temple. You can't trap God in a building. God is not more present here, inside here, than he was out there where we were eating sausages before. And God is not more present up behind that railing, even though that railing's still there, my least favourite thing. Uh, God is not more present behind the railing than he is in front of the railing. Where is God? This is not a trick question. Where is God? He is everywhere. God, God is everywhere. God is not bound. You can't trap the God of the universe in a building. He only ever symbolically dwelt in the temple. But then in particular, where is God? Where do we meet with God? In Jesus Christ, by faith. So when Jesus came, he said, you don't need that temple anymore. As you come to me in faith, you meet with God. So for us, this isn't saying, go to some building and praise God. This is actually saying, come to Jesus Christ and praise God. Let's go on. Next part of verse 1. It says, praise him in his mighty heavens. It's a fairly outlandish thing, isn't it? To say, praise God in his... Has anyone been to heaven and back again? You haven't been in one of those angel TV shows or something? No. Um, praise God in his mighty heavens. For them, what did that mean? You know, they, they sort of, well, maybe one day we might be before God in heaven. But for us, that's, we, we know about this. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us any Christian can enter into the throne room of God in heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. Any Christian can come before God through faith in Jesus. So this isn't just sort of some outlandish idea of exaggeration. We can praise him in his mighty heavens. And we do that as we come before him through Jesus. Let's keep going. Look at the next bit. It says, praise him for his powerful acts. Now again, throw yourself back to being an Old Testament believer before Jesus. What were the powerful acts they would have praised God for? The Exodus, first and foremost, where God took them out of slavery in Egypt and made them into a nation and, and judged the, the Egyptians and parted the Red Sea and they walked through. That was, that's a pretty powerful act when you think about it. What are some of the other powerful acts they would have praised God for? Yeah. What's that? Battles won, like we saw in 2 Samuel, where they won against incredible odds. Yeah, what else? The creation. Someone over there said it. 
I was looking at Colin and then someone else. No. Anyway, the God's creation, the very act of making the world, they put, you should, that's a powerful act. We have a far more powerful act of God, a far more incredible, powerful act of God that we praise God for, don't we? What is it? Sorry, that was just a blur of words. Jesus' resurrection, the most powerful act in history. And bound up with that is death as well. But first and foremost, we look back to the resurrection of Jesus and we praise God for the most powerful thing he's done in history. When he raised his son from the dead and gave us the hope for the future that our resurrection is certain. That when Jesus returns, we'll be raised from the dead. So we praise God for his powerful acts. That's part of what, being, what you do as a Christian. You praise God for what he has done for you in Jesus. But the next part, says praise him for his abundant greatness see we don't just praise God for what he's done for us we actually just praise God for who he is for the things we know about him so this is that opportunity I said I was going to give you turn to the people around you a couple of people around you and just share something great about God that you've learned or been reminded of sometime this year well last year this year even in the last 24 hours but I was meaning last year so praise God for something about his greatness what what is it that you want to praise God for who wants to share with us something we should praise God for in his abundant greatness who's got a who's loud and proud Jana there you go loud and proud there you go how fitting So God's goodness and trustworthiness and yes, yeah. Someone else want to share something? No one's learned anything over the last 12 months. Rob? So God's trustworthiness in many ways, the way he keeps his promises, yeah. Yeah. His compassion, yeah, thanks, Lindsay, yeah, yeah. Jane. Yeah, so God's, again, it's God's faithfulness, isn't it? Yeah, in answering prayer and, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So God's generosity in giving us so much more than we deserve, and even though it's not for His benefit, for ours. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. One final one. Anyone want to give us a final thing to be praising God for? Yeah. Yeah, what a great thing at Christmas time too, you know, Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah, Even whether it's hard or easy times, God is always with us, it doesn't change. Yeah. 
So we praise God for what he has done for us, but we also praise God just for who he is. This is a really important part of prayer. Too often people think of prayer as just asking God for things. But prayer, in fact the majority of prayer when you think about it, is actually declaring God's praises, praising him for who he is, for what he's done and all those things. We're going to have a chance to do that in the prayer time later on. Troy's nodding at me, so that's good. But now come with me to the next part of the psalm uh, from verse 3. And uh, I want you to sort of visualise this. So that might be the wrong word. I don't know what the word for with your ears is. So, because now he gets to the how they praised God in the Psalms. So praise him with trumpet blast. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with flute and strings. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. There are some churches in the world who have decided that you should only use instruments in church that are mentioned in the Bible. Uh, And they're very thankful for this psalm because it gives them more instruments than any other psalm. But what is the picture you get of what's going on there as it talks about with trumpet blast, with tambourine and dance, with resounding cymbals, with clashing cymbals? What's the picture you get? Sorry, I got that mumble noise from everybody. It's a celebration. Yeah, it's not muted, is it? I I actually find this psalm a little bit uncomfortable in my conservative Anglicanness. And I I'm I was conservative before I was a Christian, so yeah, you know, like um, uh, I don't like public displays of emotion. I don't, you know, uh, I don't even cry in Star Wars movies, you know. Um, but. Uh, but you get the idea here that there's a, it's a little bit excited. And it's not so much, you don't get the, the feeling that anyone cared whether it was in tune. Sorry for our musicians at that point. But you don't get the feeling that anyone cared whether it was in tune. It's more, we are excited about who God is. We're excited about what God has done for us. So we're praising him. And some people even move their feet a little bit. You know, as uncomfortable as it makes me, they talk about dance there. You see, the the idea here is there is just a heartfelt response to what God has done, which leads to praise. It's really important to understand that in the Bible, praise is not just singing. Uh, That's the main thing it's talking about here, singing and music. But praise is not just singing. Sometimes we limit words in the Bible that the Bible doesn't limit. Uh, So worship is one of those words. So people say, oh, I I worship at St. James Carlton at 6.30 on a Sunday night. That's true, but I hope that's not the only time you do. The Bible's picture of worship is it's your whole life. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you live to worship Jesus. What you do when you come here is you do it collectively. You worship together with other people, but you're worshipping God in living a life worthy of your calling. In the same way, praise... Now, we generally think, well, praise is those four songs we sing on a Sunday night. You know, that's the time I praise God. But that's not the Bible's picture. The Bible's picture is you live to praise God. And so you don't just praise God when you sing, you praise God as any time you declare how wonderful God is or how amazing Jesus is. So when you're at work, you're looking for opportunities to praise the Lord. But that doesn't mean you're going to break out into song. That might be okay in your workplace. But it means you're looking for opportunities to say, Jesus loves me. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus died for my sins. God is glorious. We exist as Christians to declare God's praises 
1 Peter 2 tells us that. The reason we exist is to declare the praises of him who has brought us out of darkness into his glorious light. That's why you exist as a Christian. So don't just think of praise as singing time in church. You praise God any time you declare how wonderful he is. But from the very beginning in Old Testament and New and right from the church, singing has been an important part of meeting together as God's people. It's one of the few things we're commanded or encouraged at least to do in church in the New Testament. Read the Bible, pray and sing. There you go, that's church. Why, what does singing do? Why is it so important? Well, it does two things. Gives us the opportunity to together declare God's praises and show actually an emotional response to God and what he's done, even in my muted way. But more than that, it gives an opportunity to encourage one another. And the New Testament, you see this idea that we sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in our heart to God, but we do it together for the benefit of one another. So as I sing, it's not like I'm in a private little sphere where I'm communing with God. I'm singing to encourage you. Which is why, can I encourage you, not through song but through word, can I encourage you to sing? I don't care how bad your voice is. Don't have a microphone if you've got a bad voice, but not everyone has a microphone. It's more encouraging to have you sing loudly out of tune than to sing quietly in tune. And that's the picture I get here in Psalm 150. They're not worried so much about whether the clashing and resounding symbols are clashing with one another. It's about declaring God's praises and praising him. So when we sing, we do it for the benefit of one another, to encourage one another and to spur one another on. Which brings us to the final verse of the psalm. And it says, verse 6, Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You don't... uh, That's fairly all-encompassing, isn't it? And you sort of look around and you think, oh, it's great that there's so many people here tonight and a lot of our friends are off on beach mission and some are off on conferences and some are away on holidays. But it's far from everyone that breathes, even in Carlton and the St George area, declaring God's praises at the moment, is it? And that's another resolution I want to encourage you to have this year is to pray for our area that other people might come and join with us in praising the Lord. That's our great desire, isn't it? That we want other people to come and praise Jesus, to praise the Lord with us. But the thing is, even it doesn't matter how many people become Christians, you'll finally see that picture fulfilled only when Jesus returns. And Psalm 150 verse 6 sort of points us forward to the book of Revelation, to when Jesus returns, and when on that day there will be people from every nation and every tribe and every tongue around the throne of Jesus declaring his praises. That's the time when everything that breathes at that time will praise the Lord. And that's the time we look forward to as Christians. Well, that'll do on Psalm 150. But what I want us to do now is to start praising the Lord straight away. And so I want everyone to join together. You can stay seated. And we're going to read out Psalm 150 in a loud voice. And it doesn't matter if you're a little bit out of time or out of tune. So let's read it together. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. Praise him with trumpet blast. Praise him with harp and lyre. 
Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with flute and strings. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen.